0: Before I turn you over to the podcast, I just want to remind you that this podcast is made possible because of game art. Institute. So if you're interested in a career in game arts, either in character arts or environment or one of the other directions that we're moving into in game design, for example, AR, VR, then head over to GameArtInstitute.com. The specialty, the thing that we really focus on there and that's really important is that we pick up where almost all traditional schooling fails. We pick up where it really matters when you're trying to get that job right now you may have gone to school you may know somebody who's gone to school and they've spent a hundred thousand dollars and they have been woefully unprepared to get that job in the industry because this industry doesn't care if you went to harvard they don't care if you know jimmy jack sally sue they care about your work and that means that you've got to be in a place in a state in a way where you are focused on producing the highest quality work that you can possibly produce. That's what we do at the boot camp. You come in, we get focused, and we produce results. So head over to gameartinstitute.com. You can head over to the um, student work or the alumni page where you can see what our students are doing. That'll give you an idea of what people are producing. And if you're interested, make sure that you apply today so we can get into the uh, phone call with you. And we are looking for students and uh, we have spots to fill. So make sure you give us a call and I look forward to chatting with you then. All right, now back to the programming. Okay. All right, guys. Welcome. I'd like to introduce Shane Olson. Shane, thank you for joining me.
1: Absolutely. No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I wanted to talk, I wanted to bring Shane on here to meet you guys for a couple of different reasons. One of them is that he, uh, he's obviously stylized character work, worked at Disney. He's kind of lived the the dream, so to speak. And um, so I want to get in, look at the work, see what he's done, see what he did to get there and, and kind of decode that a little bit for you guys. Uh, and then also he has his own class and he's learned a lot about the business side of kind of sharing your knowledge, which as you guys know, is something I am very, very um, focused on with uh, you guys, even though you're you know boot campers and you're sitting here you're learning this stuff the um most important thing you can do to get your brand out there get yourself out there is just sharing you know even just brushes you know is so crucial so uh Shane awesome um tell me let's talk a little bit about how what got you into this cuz you're in you know you're down that Disney Pixar route what got you into this
1: right so uh well, the story's kind of a long one, but um, I, way, way back, you know, I'm, I've always been an artist, kind of like uh, most, most artists. They've been drawing all their lives. Um, and uh, I, I was absolutely set on being in the sign industry. So I thought I was going to open a sign shop and do signs back in, I guess, 1990, 92, something like that. Um, and then I saw an ad in the, in the newspaper for a, a uh, game tester. So I'm like, okay, I could do this on the side. That sounds fun, because I'm into games, you know? Um, and I went and I talked to them. This was at a claim in Salt Lake City, uh, but at the time it was called Sculptured Software, and they did ports of Mortal Kombat to consoles. And I went and talked to them, and it they didn't pay very well, for, very well as far as a game tester goes, but I realized that they hired artists there. I'm like, you guys hire artists to do this stuff? And I'm like, can I talk to one of them, you know? And so uh, they obliged, and they went and grabbed a couple of the artists, this, and they brought him out to talk to me and I was just enamored that they actually uh, had artists as a career, a game career. And I'm like, how do I do this? What do I do? Um, and they're just like, of course, you know, the, the tried and true go to school and learn this stuff. Well, at the time, there was nothing in Salt Lake City. There was a, th- this was around when Toy Story 1 first came out. So mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I, uh, there's nothing in Salt Lake that teaches me how to do this stuff. And there was, th- there was nothing like Ryan's online courses to teach me how to do this stuff and uh so my my wife at the time she uh got a transfer to seattle with at&t and i'm like hey there's probably something in seattle and there was there was art institute of seattle so i was uh on their guinea pig program oh wow and
0: for vid, for, for game art? learn
1: yeah for for character animation mm. so i was i was studying to be an animator at first so yeah uh then i started to model my own characters and it turns out that i like that better but um that was in 1997, 98, is when I went to school in Seattle. And I lived there for about seven years. And then I came back here to Utah and I worked my first job in the game industry at a company called Sapphire. And I worked on a game for the Nintendo 64 called Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> and it was it was a lot of fun. And I stayed there for, for a while. And then, then I ended up going back to Acclaim because um, Sapphire kind of went on hard times ran out of money, you know, typical story. Um, and uh, I worked, at, then I went to Acclaim, and it used to be Sculptured Software, so now it's kind of this full circle, and I'm working back at Acclaim, and I'm like, hey, I made it, I did what you said, and now I'm here. Oh, nice. It's <laughs> kind of funny, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so. People? Uh, I, I didn't, I couldn't remember who I had interviewed with cause it had been several years, but, uh, it was just kind of ironic, you know, they, and it was the same building, but now it was all kind of run down a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's great. But, uh, you know, but that's a really, yeah,
0: that's a really interesting point to kind of expand on a little bit is just how you learn this stuff, you know, and back in the olden days, the old, all the old school people were I mean, pretty much, you know, self-taught, even if you went to art institute. You know, yes. Largely yes. self-taught. So um, what do you think are some of the key components for people that are looking to kind of grow their skill now? What do you think you really have to do to get there?
1: Well, it's, you know, education is is taking a turn as far as this industry is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less about going to school and getting a degree, even though that's nice, especially if you're coming in from overseas. You have easier to get a visa if you have a degree. But uh, portfolio is king, you know, Um it's that's how you get a job you have to show your skills as an artist you have to say hey look I can do the job that you want me to do right and uh, so that is how you you need to learn as much as you can as far as how to make your portfolio better and learn what you need to know as far as you know what the companies are looking for. Mm-hmm. and you you know a lot of people don't understand that they're just like well should I do a personal piece should I do a realistic thing should I do this or that it all comes down to what you want to do as an artist in this industry do you want to work on call of duty or do you want to work on you know like ratchet and clank or something like that right and it that really defines what education you should go after you know did um, you did you, was there a
0: def, was there a defining point where you knew what you wanted to do
1: um there kind of um when i first started out it was kind of uh you know everybody wears all the different hats so mm-hmm. i had to do rigging and animation and all that kind of stuff and i kind of had to learn on the job from from just um you know kind of books like yours i was actually joking with you the other day saying i learned zbrush from from your book but um that's kind of what you have to do you just have to search for the the stuff that you need you know if you need to learn substance you got to go find the education and learn it you know um it's i don't know if that's what you're you're kind of after but uh it's It all depends on, like I said, what you want to do. But the turning point for me was kind of when, you know, I was an animator. at. I also worked at Incognito after Acclaim. Mm-hmm. I worked at a place called Incognito and they did um, Twisted Metal. And Twisted Metal is a very uh, realistic game. And I was working on realistic characters, but I was animating them. But what I was doing is I was going home and I was modeling stylized characters on my own. Just for fun, you know, because everybody has their... Their artistic bucket to fill, and if your bucket's not getting getting filled at work, then you're gonna fill it at home, you know. Uh, and that, and how you do that is you just kind of pick whatever you want to work on, and mm-hmm. that's what you do, you know, your personal projects or what have you. And I, I just, uh, I would come home and I would see an awesome concept that I loved, and I would try to try to model it out, and I'd try to learn ZBrush that way, and that's kind of the turning point. And the the whole Disney thing kind of fell into my lap a little bit as far as, you know, style-ed stuff. Um, I, I say that, but it's, it's not entirely true. <laughs> it's uh, every single time I switched uh, uh, businesses of, you know, studios, I would try and apply to get on to Avalanche. And Avalanche is in Salt Lake City. And Avalanche, the, they, they're the ones that are responsible for Toy Story 3 and Cars 2 mm-hmm. and Disney Infinity. And at the time, they were working on Attack and the Power of Juju, if any of you guys remember that. And they also were making a game called Oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Blur Studios did a cinematic for it. It's um, Jabberwocky, the Jabberwock. So they were uh, they did the Attack on the Power of Juju, which Nickelodeon bought to make a television show out of. Um, and that's what got Disney's attention. And then Disney bought Avalanche. And mm. I wasn't quite working there at the time, but. Um, I came in through they split the studio into two pieces one called fall line and the other one called avalanche and Line was intended to just work on Nintendo products only so when I got in I worked on Narnia and uh, For the 3ds and then I worked on ultimate band, which was kind of like a guitar hero me too sort Mm -hmm. of thing um, But with Disney characters and stuff and it was uh, that was a lot of fun but then they decided you know this isn't really working out let's merge that company back into avalanche and and then I became a lead character modeler on Jabberwocky. So that's kinda how I kinda got got in through the back door, so to speak, a little bit. Um, but it was that's that's just kinda how things work out sometimes. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um and I, I really wish Jabberwocky would've come out. It was a lot like uh how to train your dragon with, with like humans and monsters and things like that. It was before that movie came out. Mm. It was very similar, so Anyway,
0: yeah. Well, you know, Sari's um, got a question here. She's asking about, you know, sure. saying it's hard for her to choose between realistic and stylized. So, you know, is there something that you find or have found? Because now you teach, uh, you have your own class. You teach right there at 3 dcharacterworkshopcom uh-huh. Right. And um, is, do you find there's like one trait that really defines somebody as, hey, I'm more on the stylized side versus the realistic? Or do you yourself feel like this is something you could go back
1: and forth on? Um, you can go back and forth, and people have. I mean, if you look at uh, like Adam Scott, he just barely did uh, a talk at the zebra Summit, and mm-hmm. he used to be, you know, one of the realistic guys. Well, not used to be; he still is. You know, yeah. he hasn't lost that at all. But now he's working on Fortnite, which is completely stylized, and it's all about your anatomy knowledge and your knowledge of form, and um, just how those things work together, because. A, a solid base foundation for a character can definitely take you both directions, um, and it's just push, it's like a caricature. So you can either draw a portrait or someone of someone or you can do a caricature of someone, but they're both based on the same platform, you know, the same solid base. So uh, realistic and stylized kind of boils down to uh, how much you like to do textures and how much you like to do realistic textures. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's also realistic textures in the stylized realm, especially in film. Like if you look at uh, like the latest Incredibles film and look at the textures there, they're very, very realistic, even though characters are absolutely stylized. So, uh, But in games, the texture work goes more towards realistic if you want to spend your time doing textures. And a lot of people like to do that stuff. Um, and then just like all the pores on the face and you know, learning how to do the little, the tiny, tiny details like eyelashes and things like that. But the thing you have to realize is when you're learning how to do realism, people tend to jump to the realism too soon the details too soon mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's very important to not do that to stay to stay broad and bold and work out your anatomy and base shapes to begin with you know'll that'll, that'll come later details will come later and that's something I find a lot of students tend to do is just jump into the details really really quickly. It's like whoa, not, not yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had a, so, uh, a teacher yeah. that had a really unfriendly way of saying it uh, basically you can't polish turd.
1: Yep. I say that all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's like, yep, uh, so is, are you saying my piece is a turd? Where are we going with this conversation? <laughs> Thank you for that. critique. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, There you go. So okay. Yeah. So this is an interesting um, topic for me because one of the beliefs I have, and tell me what you think, but I think realism is, is stylized. Like any, uh,
1: yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay,
0: good. So I, I want to qualify that and unpack that because you know I, I trained in the classical manner, sort of trained mm-hmm. in the classical manner, um, and the classical manner has an enormous amount of stylization to it, into the sense of like there is a process that you go through, and right. um, it's almost like there's just you know stylized work. You know, I don't know if this is entirely fair to say, but it's like stylized work just stops at that equation. A little bit earlier, and then they just go down a different track of refining, you know, simpler forms, whereas, you know, we all start down the same track and then the realism, they just go down towards, you know, now you're starting to talk about the superciliary arch of somebody's brow, um, you know, where you're going to get realistic, whereas a stylized person, they're going to be more focused on, you know, the overall arc of the of the brow itself and they're looking at just the curve as opposed to the anatomy of itself but they're we're all developing along similar structural stylized lines does that make sense or did I ramble
1: yep 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 no I it's I totally agree yep so and how yes
0: yeah, sorry. you go you, you go you go I'm talking a lot here
1: I was just gonna say it's it's kind of like a very a variable right it's like how it's almost like a meter I actually talk about this meter in my course it's like how how far do you push towards realism and even realism isn't real, you know, mm-hmm. like The Witcher, for example. Oh yeah, like you said, or or like Uncharted or something like that. Those are very realistic characters, but they're not real uh, because you start going towards the uncanny valley, you know, when you start getting too realistic, and then it just becomes weird. So you always want that a little bit of stylization, a little bit of caricature in there, just enough to push away from that dead-on realism because it's never gonna it'll just feel weird. So that's that's what I would say. <laughs> hmm. So, uh, what
0: are some recommendations you have for people who are learning anatomy?
1: Um, well, there's uh, there's your stuff, of Good. course, and then there's uh, Scott Eaton, yep. which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and I have one of his uh, his models sitting up on my desk here. <laughs> cool. And um, oh, what is the uh, I love I love Proko stuff. Mm-hmm. If you go to Proko.com, he teaches for. Um, um, figure drawing, but the anatomy is solid and it's very, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it kind of goes on with it. Um, yeah, that's it. That's about, I mean, there's more, um, anatomy for sculpting is very good. Yeah. Just stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put together my own module, but I don't know it. Well, uh, as well as you do, I always call you out. I'm like, Ryan's going to kill me if he ever hears me (laughs) saying this, you know, this neck muscle, whatever it's called, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff. Nice. (laughs) Doing my live streams, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's great. So, okay, well, what are some of the common mistakes that people make when they go into creating stylized work? What are some of the, like, just the big no-nos that really, you know, show off that you're kind of, you know, you're thinking about this wrong?
1: um okay the the one i see the most is uh symmetrical everything so like say uh like like a, a lower leg for example like the calf the calf on one side the apex of the muscle is a certain location and the apex of the muscle on the opposite side is a different location but if they're directly across from each other it's like you obviously don't know your anatomy or what you're doing kind of thing and then you know just just things like that and uh there's also design that goes into it as well. Like a lot of people don't understand flow and rhythm and silhouette and uh, straights and curves. Uh, you, you have to think that up, about that stuff a lot more when you're doing stylized characters than when you're doing realistic characters, especially if you're uh, given a 3D scan of someone. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is happening right now where you'll actually be given a 3D scan of someone. And when you, when you are given that, it's not just to clean this up you have to kind of push the anatomy that's there and exaggerate it a little bit uh, because otherwise it's not gonna read on the screen, you know, it's not gonna, so it's not just, it's, it's cheating just to speed you up, but it's not cheating in the way of, you, you don't have to know anatomy, now, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's, but that's mostly what I see a lot of is just uh, like not knowing where the clavicle lives. Uh, I see that a lot you know, just like where it connects and uh, that, that gets, and then hands are the worst. So a lot of times, in, in my opinion, a hand is a character unto itself. Yeah, oh man. And a lot of people just try and just kind of scoot past it, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> drawing, when you first start drawing, you like hide them behind your back or put them in your pockets or whatever. But when you're, when you're sculpting, you can't, you can't do that. You, they're out there on display. And if you don't know how, you don't know how a hand is built, then you're going to see it. And if the, usually they make the fingers too skinny or too short or Mm -hmm. the palm too giant, you know, or the foam in the wrong place or not angled properly. Uh, Those are, those are kind of the common mistakes that happen. And that's, what's kind of driving me to make this uh, stylized anatomy module that I'm working on right now. Good. It's like, Oh, we got to fix this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, you guys let me know, let uh, Shane know if you think that'd be valuable, but I do think that one of the big gaps that we have in this industry is that nobody's gone and made the mental bridge from anatomy to um, to aesthetic form and you know how, yes. do, you, how do you take a bicep and you turn a bicep into a curve of an arm right because like if we're looking at your characters uh, there's Woody in the background you know
1: oh right how does oh, you a guys bicep staring at this one talking <laughs> yeah 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 and on stylized characters like this but you can see that there's not a lot of anatomy happening here Like in Woody's arm right here?
0: Yeah, I see it off on the Um, left-hand side of the screen if you're watching this live. But otherwise, we're just talking about a pose where Audie's or Audie. I just said my son. (laughs) My son's name. (laughs) Where Woody's tipping his hat and he's got his his arm crooked.
1: So, uh, yeah. So you can see that it's just, it, it tapers from the elbow down to the wrist. And there's not really, you know, all the forearm anatomy happening in here. And a lot of people that, that is another mistake that a lot of people will make is they'll think that they have to put the anatomy in there to make it actually function mm-hmm. and you know this like randall's arms here are very very straight they're almost like toothpicks you know they're just square and straight but the hands are based on anatomy i mean they have to function and they work a certain way uh, particularly with infinity, we we uh, did make sure the shoulders were in place, and those uh, line breaks happen between between the deltoids and you know, the the bicep triceps. So there's a solid line, and then we would not only define the, the the pecs, but we'd also define the rib cage on a lot of these too. And it depends on how they would bend and stuff like that, but. Um, and then sometimes the knees, but you can see how tapered they are and they're not broken up. You know, like Mike's leg here is just straight, just goes straight down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the only time you would see it bend is when he would actually bend his leg. So there's just little things like that. And that was kind of a struggle for us. Like how much anatomy do we put into these things? And it also depends on the character too. You know? Right. Like a, a realistic, you know, from an action film would have more anatomy in it than say, you know, like, like the, the duck here or I should, I should say the platypus not the duck yes. <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah get that wrong but um, and when you when you look at um, early like later on we did Marvel and we did all the Lucas stuff mm-hmm. we we had way more anatomy introduced like if you look at uh, Maui here so you can see a lot more anatomy in here you see the elbow um, but we still... you
0: see the the flexor group mm-hmm. of the forearm you see the extensor group Right. Yeah. right. All that. You don't see the
1: sternocleidomastoid, though. Yeah, that's, uh, well, he's kind of a heavy dude, too. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, like Spider Gwen here. There's a lot of anatomy going on right here. Oh, I'm excited for that movie coming up. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. But we'll see how this hand is a character unto itself. And how it's posed yep. there's yeah there's so much going on
0: well actually if we if, just... if we stop there for those who are watching we're looking at a uh, spider spider gwen disney infinity figure and if we were to zoom in on that hand i think what's really interesting is you said that the hands are characters in and of themselves and if i'm looking at the structure of mm-hmm. that arm the arm has uh let's say four main components it's got the ball of the of the deltoid it's got the cylinder of the of the bicep it's got a bit of a ball for the muscular portion of the forearm and then it goes into you know it's actually pretty realistic uh part of the um ulna and radius for the forearm but right you know, right but yeah. it's like f- Four, that's four items, right? And then you get to the hand, and you're like, "Oh man, you've actually indicated, you know, the um, the carpal bones. So you've got the trapezium and all these different muscles of the or bones of the wrist in there. Then it goes into the metacarpals. You know, there's multiple elements going yeah. on in that hand um, alone.
1: Yeah, it has all that stuff.
0: Yeah, all that stuff. And you've got to put that. And gesture. you'll
1: notice you'll notice that we omitted this knuckle. Okay. From all of the hands. You did, so yeah. all of the hands only have, yeah. And that just stylizes it even one step further. You know, they're just all, all and then the thumb just has the one instead of this. You know, it, it. sometimes we make it apparent, like in this bend here, you know, that it's actually there, but only, only in some instances. But like the fingers, they don't have, they only have the one. So, but this is also what I'm talking about here on this arm. The inside of the arm is like, you can see it. Uh, or blue. I thought I switched to red. <laughs> One second. I'm black. Here we go. Lime green. Okay. So, uh, but this, this apex is like, it usually is down lower and this is up higher. It's not, it's, it's not typically straight across from itself. And a lot of students will get that wrong. They'll make their muscles like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't, don't do that. I love
0: that. You, you've, you've done a humanitarian service for artists worldwide by removing that knuckle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Makes things so, easier. I mean, yep, yep. So, oops. Anyway, hit the wall. Um. All right. So, uh, anatomy is important, but it becomes a selective kind of conversation. So, when you're having that conversation of what anatomy do you put in and what you don't, how conscious is this conversation?
1: So, well, with with Infinity in particular, it was very, very, very conscious. Okay. Because that's part of the style. Okay. Um you know, omitting one of those knuckles, that's part of the style. So is that like an actual um, meeting that you had or? Yes, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it was art directed. So our art director was John Diesta and then um, the above him was uh, Jeff Bunker. So both of them kind of directed this whole thing Mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, And then there were five artists. uh, Well, I should say five plus because there were some off-site, and there were some interns and a whole bunch of different people. But for the most part, there were five of us, and uh, w- another another thing that you can notice—it's kind of hard to see in this chair, but too small. But uh, maybe I can just talk about it. There's—you'll no- you also notice um, the lips are very undefined. They're super super smooth, even on the females. They're you know none of the, the extra anatomy underneath the nose. You know the little little valley. What is it called, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> oh and no, the, on the spot, and the, smile line. the philtrum. Yep, on the spot. There you go. And the smile lines coming around here, omitted, mm-hmm. unless they're on older, older characters, you know, that will instantly age up your character by put, adding that stuff. Um, eye bags, things like that. You'll notice for most of the characters, they they either have a very small lower eyelid or none at all. And that's another, another thing we had. Um, and then just like like I said, very 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 smooth faces. Even on Wreck-It Ralph, which is very smooth across here, and his chin is very smooth. There's no cleft or anything like that. There's nothing happening except for very smooth. And you'll notice that across almost all the character. And some of them have a little bit more of a bottom lip defined, but most of them are they're just not there. Kind of a cut.
0: Well, let me uh, let no, me ask they you this: for it. Um, Are mm-hmm. are stylized artists just lazy? You know, why don't they uh, put no, more in there? Not. What's the
1: deal? <laughs> Absolutely not um, it's it's a it has to do with appeal yeah and it has to do with lighting how the lighting acts and hits um if we were to put lips on all these characters, the appeal value would go down substantially mm. uh, just and we tried and it did <laughs> especially with the ladies, you know because the ladies you know they want to have the the luscious lips as it were um even even with a lot of them we would omit it. Uh, So it's it's really interesting to me how, and I learned a lot from like John Diesta and Jeff Bunker talking about all that stuff and how We would just I mean even her lips you can see that uh, Let's see. They're they're just not really much to them, you know Uh, But you still have the the shadow breaks and the cheekbones and the nice face and stuff like that But there's not much ear anatomy. It's just kind of you know the the typical cartoon stylized thing um, and then the, the hair is, is, I don't even know how you'd call it, very geometric, mm-hmm. you know, chunky. we call it chunky hair. <laughs> and uh, that's that's part of the stylization that we would do, too. And sometimes they would have three fingers, sometimes four, depending on the character. Um, this one was done by Christopher Wright. He did a fantastic job on her. She's got four uh, but fingers. But you'll notice, like, yeah, okay. she does. No, one, two, three. Okay, good. You'll notice good. The, the line of action through here. Yep. Um, yeah, just the sweeping forms. And... All of that stuff, so,
0: so Ree's asking so what, uh, what was it like yeah. having toy production in the video game pipeline
1: uh <laughs> that's a fantastic question. We were not toy makers mm-hmm. we are you know we were game creators, and we're like, well, I guess we're making toys now. Um, they were thinking about outsourcing it to a, a toy company, mm-hmm. but what that would do is that would put the toy manufacturing out of our control, and we we knew what we wanted. we were all geeks and we were all all toy collectors, you know. We had our desk full of toys from other companies like Sideshow and stuff like that and uh, we were just like all right well it could be dangerous but it could be good and it actually was good because we didn't know what we didn't know so we just went for the moon and you know some of it we paid for and some of it it was better and it actually turned some of the toy manufacturing at the time on on its nose because they weren't used to the kind of quality that we were after. They were after cheap and fast and that kind of stuff. And we're like, no, we can't have cheap and fast. We, you know, we, we need it to look good. So, uh, but at, at sometimes at the expense of the, the quality of the toy, meaning, for example, Helen, her head, her neck being this size, her, her head would get broken off in kids' hands very easily. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know until it was too late. Uh, so, so she shipped this way and her head would come off easily. And so would Violet's head. Um, until we did an, we actually were, uh, we could do running changes where we could say, Oh, we better attach her hair to the backpack Mm. in the toy manufacturing. So we did that. And then, so later renditions of it weren't as, uh, as weak as far as coming apart. So then we learned stuff. That's how we would do it. And we'd just fix it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting time. And we were even so uh, so interested in the toy quality that John Diesta and Jeff Bunker and Chris Wright, all three of them went out to China to oversee the manufacturing process to make sure it was good. Because for some reason, they like to not line up the eyes correctly. And they would be either cross-eyed or wall-eyed. <laughs> and uh-huh. we're like, no, they have to be correct, you know? So, um,
0: And were they hand-painting yeah. those eyes or...?
1: They would use stamps. Okay. So they would line up the model and use stamps and it would come down, but they wouldn't line up the stamps properly. I mean, it's it's really easy to line them up, but they just weren't doing it properly. Mm. So yeah, they line these up better. And they did and they worked out. So
0: now if somebody <laughs> if uh, one of the students wants to do this for uh for a living, do this for a job in in uh and start to work in stylized, what are some of the things that you recommend? Like, you know what, let's do this actually. What would be, I always like to think a minimally viable product, even though my business is far from minimally viable. Um, what is <laughs> the minimally viable thing for somebody who wants to do this for a, a career? They want to get out and work at Disney Infinity or work their way to Disney Infinity so they'd work at you know some company to do there. What do they need to have in their portfolio to show that they, they can qualify, that they can do this?
1: Uh, no, it's a great question. Um, there it depends on where you want to go with stylized characters. You can go into illustration. you can go into games or film or even collectibles like mm-hmm. this. So first of all, you need to kind of make up your mind as far as where you want to position yourself in the. Right. Industry. Um, then if that's if it, say say you wanted to be in collectibles, then you would need to start thinking about manufacturing and how these things get manufactured and how they get molded and you would want to start to learn how to uh, be able to split your model apart and get it keyed and things like that. And the benefit to that is you only need to know how to make a high-res character inside of, say, Zebra. Uh, you don't need to know how to do a low-res character for games or film or anything like that. But if you want to take your character into a game or a film or a television show, you'll need to know how to retopologize your character and how to Uh, bake the maps from one character to the other. And when I say one character to the other, I mean the high resolution character to the low resolution. And that is something you absolutely need to show in your portfolio. Because if you don't, uh, just ask Gavin Golden from Insomniac Games, (laughs) you will be looked over like a bag of garbage. You know, it's just like, I don't see what I need to see. I, I need to know that you can do the work. That is what companies need to you know, need to see in your portfolio. So if you're just going for high resolution illustration, that's, and it's it's crazy to me because when you look at ArtStation, that's most of what you see is just very nice renders of high resolution characters, which in my opinion, won't get you far. Yeah, It will only get you likes on ArtStation, which is fine, but it won't get you work. So if you're going into illustration, which is a very narrow portion of the industry, that's fine. And that will get you there. But if you're going into collectibles or you're going into games, that will not get you. You have to do, you know, show the splitting and the keying, or you have to show the, the low resolution character. So I hope that answered your question.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does. And uh, do you have any examples, anything you'd recommend, you know, portfolios that you think really shine for that kind of thing?
1: Um, oh, I Not to put you on the I'd spot. To, Yeah, I'd have to kind of go dig. Uh, there, are, there are several. Um, if we uh, look at your portfolio... Okay. Yeah. Mine is not really set up for that. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this is probably the closest one. This is the character that I walk you through in my course. Um, but this is a really nice way of showing off a game characters with Marmoset Toolbag viewer. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can spin around the character like this and it's lit very well lit. And this is a low resolution character ready for a game. So you can click on this right here and uh yeah somebody said it reminds me of a game i used to play it is actually a a fan art of from no one lives forever that's what it's so and what you'll want to show is very very clean topology very low resolution with the maps that that you you need to show that your maps are actually working i didn't mean um i meant to show like uh your your gloss maps and your reflectivity maps Mm -hmm. um This is all the stuff that they want to see. Your your uh color and then everything together, of course. So yep, no one lives forever. That's what it's from. Then you can also swing the light around in this. Uh but it's it's really fun to see how far you can push the low resolution models. Hmm. So how big is the map? The map is 4K for the entire figure, not including the gun. Got it. And that's that's pretty typical for the industry. Um it's sometimes when you get into film and stuff, you'll hear the word UDIM. And UDIM is basically your character cut into several different quadrants, and it depends on how big the character, how many UDIMs you get. I'm not—I've never worked in film, so I don't know that side of the uh, industry as much. But uh, this is just one 4K that one. So, and then you want—you of course want to show your final renders. This is a key shot render, and then the uh, original concept was done by Josh Black. So, so how? this—this. Uh, yeah, this, go ahead. I
0: was going to say, uh, students always ask the question like, "Can I just work from other people? Do I have to get permission?" What's your line on that?
1: Oh, that—that that is something I tell my students. You absolutely should get permission if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's a nod to the original artist. And usually they're excited if you say, hey, I love your art. Would you mind if I modeled this up? And then you can send it to them on your way and say, hey, this is kind of where I'm at. What do you think? And nine times out of ten, they'll give you some feedback. Kind of like an art director situation, uh, unless your model completely sucks, <laughs> which happens, and then sometimes they won't respond um, because they they're trying to be nice and they don't know, <laughs> know what to say. So uh, you'll you'll just get into that sometimes. I get into it too. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I don't, you know, this will this is going to take me a while to respond to this. Um, but anyway, it's just a it's just very very healthy to do to get the original artist's um, permission to do to that. Like this one. I did during my live streams this one and you'll notice I always call them out every single image that I do you know it's modeled and rendered by me but that's based on a concept by Johannes Hogan so yeah it's just and when you do stuff like that and you reach out there's a good possibility that they will share it on their networks as well if they like what you what you've done and you you know you're doing them a, a service <laughs> instead of you know if your model good so um, anyway this is one of my streams I'm talking I'm barely blocking this character out. So I like to put stuff like that on here too, just to say, hey, this is my work in progress stuff. So anyway, this is not a game character. This is just a render. Okay.
0: And uh Go ahead. So I was gonna um I wanna talk a little bit about the job and uh sure. the job of doing this. So you said that you can go in the collectibles, and then you don't have to learn the low res, or you go into the stylized games and things like that. So um if somebody wants mm-hmm. to be a, if they want to work in the stylized game, Uh, if they want to work in stylized game artists, like let's just say be a character artist. Uh, you're, you're saying they've got to produce the work, right? This industry, they don't, they don't care if you went to Harvard, you know, you, you got to show you can do the work. Right. Right. Um, and so what are your, what's your feeling on the sustainability of this job? Um, is there any kind of age restrictions or limitations or, you know, this job in general, um, and getting into it as a career choice? What What's your feeling on it right. now? You know, because we've grown in this industry quite a bit, and and I like to tell people that uh, uh-huh. you know it's a, it can be a competitive landscape. But you know, I was just looking back through several of my artists and it in uh, my boot camps and you know, core, all these guys, character artists, you know, they're getting jobs.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So uh, just be be very, very flexible and be willing to to move if you need to. Um, I've been lucky somewhat so I've worked at six different studios during my career which is a lot and it's kind of like the film industry or even the music industry if you're not putting out the hits you're playing bars right so there's the the industry is very up and down as far as success and no no uh, company is safe I mean for example Disney I worked for Disney for 10 years which is kind of unheard of in this industry Until it until it went and got bought by Warner Brothers and I could have stayed if I wanted to at Warner Brothers But I chose to do something else just because I wanted to wanted to have something different But and sometimes that those choices are up to you, too And you'll you'll also notice there's a lot of uh, you know news coming out of Companies that are closing like telltale games. Yep. Telltale games just closed and so Mm -hmm. did uh, oh What's the other one anyway there? Yeah, it's just it's, it's a rock star industry, you know, it's, it's you have to be flexible, you have to be willing to move, you have to be um, willing to kind of change your portfolio based on where you're trying to apply as well. Right. So uh, you, you can see, I mean, most of this is stylized in my portfolio. I have stuff that I have not posted on here because I want my portfolio to look very stylized. And people look at this and say, oh, hey, I can see what you do. This is your stuff." If I had if I started to propagate some other things in here, that were more realistic, people might go, ah, you know, I don't know where you're at or where you're coming from. So, um, w- but what I was going to say is it's a little easier when you're in a place like Austin, Texas or LA where the studio density is higher. So if you were to get laid off or, you know, let go or something like that, you could move maybe just in the same city or the city away, maybe commute and not have to move and, uh, you know, work at the next in the next town or something like that with Utah, Utah's kind of unique because there's a lot of talent in Utah. So studios in LA or in New York or something like that, they'll come into Utah and they'll see a company that already exists or they'll make a new one and they'll they'll start this company and say, "All right, we're going to we're going to do a satellite here." And it'll be an extension and they can make some product for us. And they'll make some product like Disney Infinity, um, Toy Story 3, stuff like that. And then they'll go, you know what? Um, We're kind of, our budget isn't looking so good. So what's the first thing we're going to cut? Well, there's the satellite studio in Utah. We should cut that out. You know, so that's the first thing to go. So that's something unique about Utah that kind of, (laughs) to be honest, Um, you know, there's that's kind of how every single studio has ended up that I've worked at. Like Sony owned, Sony owned Incognito and it got cut off, you know, and just and Disney owned, you know, Avalanche and it kind of got cut off. Just stuff like that. It's just kind of a repeat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's it's safe, but a little volatile at the same time. Got it. That makes
0: sense. <laughs> yeah, and so Sari is saying just have a clear vision in the portfolio is important.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: All right. So I mean, if
1: you're gonna go for it. Just, just one one thing, um, not only realism and stylized, but also uh, if don't have a whole bunch of environments in there or or props or cars, you know, if you want to do characters, do character. If you want to do cars, do cars. You know, don't. Uh, it's nice to have versatility, especially if you're trying to apply for an independent company like indie dev like when you're trying to go for a small company that wears a lot of hat they want to see that you know how to do more than just character so if you're trying to do that then do it but if you're trying to get into a larger studio like you know dreamWorks or uh, any of those NCsoft any of those kind of big big corporations try and really focus down and say nope I'm a character guy and I'm a stylized character guy so then you'll they'll know exactly who you are got it there
0: you go. <laughs> All right, great. So I want to switch tacks here because I also okay. want to get a, a moment in. And do I have Rashid? Rashid, are you in here? Uh, yes. Okay, good. I want to make sure I get some time for you to just take a quick look at some people's work. Um, but the last thing I wanted to talk on before we switch over to that, and this is the last part for the podcast audience is, uh, is the work that you're doing, the, the online classes and, um, and the sharing of resources. You have a brush set, uh, that you share things like that. Um, so what's been one of the biggest impacts of kind of committing to giving back and creating classes and gum roads and, you know, all that different stuff.
1: So yeah, it's, it's interesting because when I started I was just looking for some extra income on the side mm-hmm. and digital digital tutors reached out to me yeah. when they were digital tutors now they're plural, plural sites, yeah uh, and they're just like hey can you do a couple tutorials or whatever and I'm like yeah sure I'll try it you know and uh, I really really enjoyed it so I made like four or five for them and I realized hey you know what I, I could probably do this on my own and have more control Mm -hmm. Uh, Because one thing they did was they didn't like accidents. They didn't like seeing me make mistakes. And I thought that was a disservice to the students. Right. Um, I wanted to show students how I could get out of the hole that I dug myself into. I think that's more, you know, most important. Um, It's like, because you're inevitably going to get stuck somewhere, somehow. And if I can get stuck and I show you the way out, then I'm going to show you the way out too, right? So. Um, I wanted that control and I wanted to be able to get myself out of the holes that I've created. So, um, that, that's when I first made my gumroad. I have one gumroad course that is, uh, it's like a frog. Hold on a second. I, did, I It's been up for a while. So let's see. So it's just this thing, 20 bucks, this little, I, I made it a long time ago. I think it's been out now for like four years or so, mm-hmm. maybe more. But people enjoyed this. I really liked just making this frog, you know, and i I enjoyed that too, but I'm like, you know, I think it's i I think I can go bigger and I want to put something together that I could give people that's kind of like that would show them the entire process. um the frog is just kind of like i was I was tired of showing this is how you make this character, this is how you make this character, you know, even though I show you as an example with this Kate character. I use her as an example as I walk you through it, but I, I don't have my students make her. I'm just showing you how to do it with her, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I want you to make your own character. Um, so I decided to just put together a course that walks you through it, step by step, A to Z. You know? um, and what's and, that, uh, what's that and, done uh, for you in
0: the industry? Like, has it changed your profile? Has it helped you get jobs or any of that stuff?
1: Uh yes. Um and I it kind of it's kind of crappy because I have to turn them down <laughs> mm. because I'm focused a hundred percent on this on this course now. Sure. Um so people come to me and they're like, Can you do this? And unless they're very, very high profile that will help, you know, my credibility and put it back into the course, mm-hmm. I turn them down. So when I talk about that, that means um so recently I did uh I did a character skin for Overwatch. So I did this I did this character skin and because it was very, very high profile and I knew that if I did that, it, you know, people would be going like, Oh wow, you did that. So, um, and I also learned a lot when I did it in as far as texture work goes, so I can now take that knowledge and put it in the course. So that's kind of what I'm working working on right now. I'm working on some, some texture additions to the course and some anatomy additions and things like that. It's constantly being updated, but it, it was crazy this year, ZBrush summit, I was there and just the notoriety that I have now, like people knowing who I am, is kind of weird. And, uh, I, I, I like it, but I don't think I'll ever get used to it. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 enjoy I, I enjoy it, but I don't know that I'll <laughs> it's it's really, really nice seeing uh students of mine like come up and say, Oh, you I love your instruction and you helped me get a job and you know, this and that and it's really <laughs> nice. So that's that's like yeah, it's really nice. Like I did this uh I just made this video and um I I can't get through the video without breaking down. I get emotional talking about it. Just talking about the student successes and all the hard work that they've put in, stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I haven't really announced that I've put this video up here yet. I'm gonna announce it at the end of this week. I just barely put it up like Sunday, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So this is is new, but... uh, yeah, this, these are my brushes. If you go here, you can see this is my my free brushes, and uh, it's it's really crazy. I I, I kind of look for it now. I look I look at people's uh, ZBrush interface to see if they're using my brushes. It's kind of a, a fun little <laughs> little puzzle thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I do that too. To
0: like the anatomy, yeah. I I almost forgot my anatomy figure was actually there, still shipped with ZBrush. You know, Oh and, yeah. yeah. And, and I see people using that all the time as like a base mesh or for their face or like Flip Normal had some tutorial on the face and they were using, you know, that face. And I was like, oh wow, God, it's still there. I was expecting Pixelogic to kick it <laughs> out at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's a fantastic model, I've, I've studied it myself. That's really, really nice. Cool, yeah, I worked so, my yeah.
0: butt off on that thing.
1: <laughs> oh, I think that's when I first met it. was when you were putting that together during, uh, was it Comic-Con? If you were working on that at Comic Con, and I walked up and talked to you about it. I think that's yeah. what you're working on. That's all a blur the, those days. Adi- yeah, yeah, that's fun. Uh, uh, gr- but down, uh, down here. Yeah, sorry. Go for it. No need. No, i was just going to say, down here, are a bunch of students, uh, uh, the student gallery. So last year and this year, and yeah, so it's it's fun to to kind of show those off. And I think it wasn't. Yeah, I got to get it working. It, it some so for some reason it broke last night. I got to I got to make sure it's working. Cause it pulls these from Facebook and populates it and for some reason <laughs> to stop working. Nice. So, anyway.
0: All right. Well, yeah. um, Gregory we had a question in, uh, I'm going to read this in two uh-huh. parts, uh, in creating okay. content for children. How do you balance the character theme? Uh-huh. So he was referencing, uh, venom, you know, cause it's okay. dark and grizzly. Mm-hmm. So how are you right. making that suitable for children?
1: Uh well if you see if you see this venom, now this wasn't designed by me, it was only modeled by me mm-hmm. and then somebody else actually posed him. But um basically just making the shapes big and bold, even though they're pointy teeth and things like that, he's not he's not really that scary. I mean he is, but um he's kind of the, the size of Hulk and um he just has big bold design shapes like the spider on and stuff like that. But that's kind of the biggest thing is to take away all that you know the slimy detail that Venom usually has, you know all that yucky crap, <laughs> and yeah. just kind of clean him up, make him, made him smooth and make him uh, a bit relatable. Also during the animations when you're playing as Venom, he's just really fun to play as, and he doesn't do like dark animation, like anything like that. He's just kind of uh, just one of the Avenger kind of guys, you know, just running around doing his thing. So um, I. Yeah, I don't really know what to say other than that as far as just big, bold shapes and simplify and, and make him not so crazy, you know? Yeah. And you'll, you'll notice he only has three fingers in there. We, he doesn't have any nails. It's just his fingers are sharp, you know? And then, everybody said he kind of looks like a rat because he has these big two big front teeth.
0: Oh, yeah, now I see it. Looking. Uh-oh. Once you yeah, see it, yeah, that's it.
1: Uh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's crazy because it got... Yeah, scary bunny, but it got the uh, it got the attention of like J. Scott Campbell. Um, you know, this design really really stands out because I don't think Venom's ever been done this way. If you see, you know, Venom like in the brand new movie that just came out or on comic book covers, he's really just a blob with teeth. You know, in this gigantic tongue. So um, yeah, this was. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I keep saying Umberto Remos from Mexico. He was in town visiting. With us, um, and he kind of helped John D.S. to come up with his design. He just kind of sketched him out on a napkin. He's like, "What if you do something like this?" And then John took it and kind of pushed it further. Nice. Um, so, yeah, every every one of these characters has a story. It's really cool.
0: All right, well, but, let's get uh, ourselves looking at um, at yeah. some artwork. But last minute uh, notes for the um, for the podcast audience, people later on. What uh, one of the things I like to do, and this is it drives what I do at the boot camp, is. I have this belief that, you know, uh-huh. it's the primary job we have isn't necessarily to become great artists. Cause for me, that's like, that's like the last frontier. It's like, you know, you could spend your life there, mm-hmm. um, but what are the things that um, help people? Like there are things that help people get a job. There are triggers that say you're a professional and there's triggers that say that you're an amateur. So I'll, uh-huh. I'll, i I want to end this on just a little note of like, what are two triggers that tell you somebody is not quite Pro enough for the job yet. What are two distinct triggers when you look at their work and you're like, yeah, you're not there yet.
1: Um, mo now it's very, very hard to put a pin in, but it's mm-hmm. appeal. A lot of people, they struggle to get that appeal and appeal is very undefinable, Yeah. but it comes down to just that artistic eye and how to get there. So yeah. the two, two things that you need to know as a professional and, and the second one is, um, And it's not, it's, it has to do with networking and it's being able to be art directed as an artist. Mm -hmm. You need to leave your personal, uh, you know, your personal whatever in the closet and just bring your professional attitude when you come to work. Because when you get art directed, it's not a personal attack. And if you take it as such, and that starts to travel because the industry is very small and you need to, you need to be a professional when it comes down to art critique and you know shake your head yes or say you know maybe if you disagree you can say well what do you mean can you define that a little bit more you know what what are your thoughts behind that that kind of thing um but mainly it's like yes you know and then you change it you change what they're asking you to change because that's what they're paying you for um also uh if you're handed a concept you need to nail that concept because and that's a that's something that a lot of new character artists don't understand because they're just like well it's kind of based on this concept and it, it does depend on how far the concept has been taken um, because there, some of them are just a sketch and you have to kind of you know sculpt from just a sketch and that's something else but if if a concept has been taken to as far as it can be taken and it, it has been approved and paid for by the company and they hand it to you and they expect you to model it in 3D the closer you can come to that concept the more valuable you are as a character modeler if that makes sense yeah so yeah and and you'll hear in the in the industry if this person is good at accepting or taking critiques very well or not so that's that's a thing
0: got it okay that's good so when you're getting the yeah. feedback just shut up listen and it's not personal yeah, yeah. okay All right. Cool. All right, guys. There we go. Shane, man, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom about stylized and all that good stuff. I really appreciate you coming in. I know you're a big person. This business keeps you busy. Yeah,
1: no worries.
0: All right. Have an amazing day, uh, guys. Have an amazing night. And uh, Shane, again, thanks so much.
1: Yep. Yep. Thanks, guys. Take
0: care. All right. Take care. You too.